1: Hi, everyone. It's Katie, Buildup's manager of Global Operations. This week on The Nonprofit Buildup, we have a special surprise. We are recasting one of our very first episodes of The Nonprofit Buildup as a two-part series. Over the next two weeks, you will hear Nick's conversation with Susan Burton, a leader in the criminal justice reform movement, founder of A New Way of Life Reentry Project, and outspoken voice to end mass incarceration. Susan's life story is incredibly powerful, and in this episode, she shares why she founded A New Way of Life, shines a light on the policies and practices that encourage mass incarceration, and offers advice for leaders and organizations for building infrastructure and investing in their communities. This interview was recorded a little over a year ago, and we are still deeply moved by this conversation. It encourages us to rethink what it means to have vision, how to invest in marginalized communities, and how to build sustainably. Susan's advice is so incredibly transparent, honest, and powerful. We encourage you to listen and absorb all of the information Susan shares about how we can each write and appreciate a new narrative. And with that, here is Susan Burton.
0: Hi, everyone. We're in the final week of Women's History Month, and we're talking with Susan Burton, a leader in the criminal justice reform movement, founder of a new way of life reentry project, and an outspoken voice to end mass incarceration. Susan's life story is incredibly powerful. And in this episode, she shares why she founded a new way of life shines a light on the policies and practices that encourage mass incarceration, and offers advice for leaders and organizations for building infrastructure and investing in their communities. Following the tragic accidental death of her five-year-old son, Susan's world collapsed. Her loss snapped the final tether of resilience burdened by a past of pain and trauma, and she didn't have access to the resources she needed to heal. Without support, she turned to drugs and alcohol, which led to nearly 20 years revolving in and out of prison. Drawing on her personal experiences, she founded a new way of life reentry project in 1998, dedicating her life to helping other women break the cycle of incarceration. A new way of life provides resources such as housing, case management, employment, legal services, leadership development, and community organizing on behalf of and with people who struggle to rebuild their lives after incarceration. Susan has earned numerous awards and honors for her work, including being named a CNN Top 10 Hero, receiving the prestigious Citizen Activist Award from the Harvard Kennedy School of Government, the Encore Purpose Prize, and the James Irvin Foundation Leadership Award. Susan has been named by the Los Angeles Times, as one of the 18 new civil rights leaders in the nation. This episode was recorded weeks ago, and I'm still feeling the effects of this incredibly moving conversation. It has helped me rethink what it means to have vision, how to invest in marginalized communities, and how to build sustainably. Susan's advice is so incredibly transparent, honest, and powerful. I encourage you to listen and absorb all of the information Susan shares about how we can each write and appreciate a new narrative. And with that, here is Susan Burton. Hi, Susan. I am so very excited to have you join us today and for our conversation. To get us started, can you tell us about a new way of life reentry project, your role there, and a new way of life's immediate priority? A new way of life
2: is a growing, organization it's based in South Los Angeles it is an emerging what I would call an emerging model for this nation to create what I would call sustainable passages and openings for people who are coming back from incarceration but it's also a way to divert people from incarceration to positive lifestyles and influences within the community. When I think of what A New Way of Life stands for, it stands for the ability for communities to go from being oppressed to surviving, to thriving in a way that we, I can say Black people, have always struggled Two and four, you know, thrive in this country. And some might make it out to a place that they feel like they're thriving, but so many more are left behind to deal with oppression, suppression, and just surviving the racism of this nation.
0: I think that is all so needed, and I know we were talking right before we started recording about your work, and I'm going to dig into the emerging model that you talked about and the work that you're doing. Can you talk about, first, your role there and your connection to A New Way of Life? So,
2: I am founder and president of A New Way of Life, the project. I founded A New Way of Life based on my own experience being reincarcerated and reincarcerated and reincarcerated. Being a person that this nation or justice system did not want to make a positive investment in, they would invest in chaining, caging, incarcerating, exploiting my labor as a prisoner. But they wouldn't invest in the possibility of me um, getting the opportunity to correct my behavior, and my behavior was in response to a LAPD detective killing my five-year-old son. After his death, accidental death, the policeman ran him over, and after his death, I began to drink, and I drank alcoholically. I drank to drown the grief. And that escalated to drug use. It was during the war on drugs and people were being demonized while, you know, people were being demonized by this nation's leaders while the same leaders were saturating our communities with crack cocaine. And I became a victim and a prey to the system, to our nation decimating us. Black folks, brown folks in our communities with this substance, you know, and I think of that period as chemical warfare on black poor communities, brown poor communities. And I think of the attack on us as a continual way of oppressing us a continual way of criminalizing and demonizing us. What it also did, Nicole, was it drove women into prisons in huge numbers, and it left our community so crippled. And that's why I feel like my work at A New Way of Life is so important to rebuilding and stabilizing our communities, the mothers of our communities, the women, the workers, the caretakers, the caregivers in our communities. So the work of a new way of life to house women, bring them back to our communities, give them the ability to heal all that's been done to them, including the torture of incarceration, Allow them the ability to build leadership skills, to get their kids back, to become, you know, forces within our community. That's why the work of a new way of life is so important. You know, I see it and I dream it. I have a vision for it and I invest all that I have that women who people see or don't see you know, women who are invisible in this nation, women that have the ability to come and make changes in their community. I see them. They're not they're not invisible to me. They're very, very important. And so that's why I've dedicated my life to supporting the rebuilding of our communities through services at a new way of life the advocacy at a new way of life, and the leadership development at a new way of life.
0: I just think that is so incredibly powerful, Susan. And thank you so much for sharing your story. And the way that you've described a new way of life, it sounds as though it is just such a necessity that for society generally, but particularly for those who have been made invisible within society to say, you know, as you mentioned earlier, to come from being oppressed and demonized, to step into thriving and being able to say, I am a positive investment, right? Like you can invest in me. And that's exactly what a new way of life does. And so I would. Love to hear more about, and you started to talk through this with. you mentioned your services, advocacy, and leadership through A New Way of Life. Can you talk a little bit more about the kinds of services that A New Way of Life provides, advocacy that you're doing, and the leadership skills that you are helping others to build, and why you think that that combination, the services, advocacy, and leadership, uh, is so important?
2: So the services that we provide consists of um, uh, supporting women to have housing when they are released from incarceration. A place to heal. It's not just housing. It's also a place to belong. So creating a community where people feel like the women that come here feel like they belong. It's a place to root themselves. In that house, we provide family education like it is. A code of course, food clothing, housing, social work services, therapy, and we also do some services around education and job support to get back to work, support for jobs. We also engage in advocacy through you know, testify We We allow people the space to understand that their voice and their life experience is important and we create platforms for them to speak just like i'm speaking to you today to inform and tell people what their experiences are but also what the possibilities are for their life and how they'd like to work toward those possibilities so we go to the board of supervisors meeting we go to sacramento they become a part of all of us are none and all of us are none is the voices of formerly incarcerated people advocating and speaking on behalf of themselves. We also have a leadership development called Women Organizing for Justice and Opportunity. And they can participate in WOJO, which meets monthly. And we run that every year. WOJO came out of Soros uh, Justice Fellowship. Over 10 years ago, I got a fellowship when Susan Tucker was running the fellowship program. And we built on and built on into that leadership development program, and we do it every year. And we create the space for people to understand what role do they have in the movement and letting them know that no role is too small, no role is too big, we all of us are working together to build a movement for change, and we're bringing other people, especially women, along with us. And then we have legal services in the way of life. We have six attorneys on staff. Two of them work with women who are struggling to get their children back because a part of mass incarceration is a continuation of ripping our babies apart, ripping us apart from our children, taking our babies selling them off, you know, creating uh, what they call Child Protective Services and Department of Children and Family Services. It's a continuation from slavery when they sold our children. That's how we feel. Because I got incarcerated doesn't mean I'm a bad mom. And if you wanted to keep me with my children, it would have been much cheaper to roll out services for me and my children than to separate us and incarcerate me while placing them in the foster care system that fast-tracks them into the criminal justice system. So we have four attorneys that do post-conviction relief and two attorneys that do family reunification. And then we also add into there some policy work. We want to stop the fast-track adoption system that incentivizes these places, like Department of Children and Family Services or Child Protective Services, that incentivizes them to adopt our children. These agencies get paid $4,000 to $6,000 bonus for every child that they adopt out. And that was a part of the adoption and safe families, I think, 1996 or 94. But we're working on dismounting that as a practice in this nation, as an incentive in this nation. You know, I hope the new administration looks at the harms that they've done, that their legislation has done and their practices have done, and, you know, puts forward what I call penance for the bad public policy that they pushed and implemented. And this is not to try to whoop them and beat them, but they have an opportunity now. I think they've said that. Maybe their approach and they're thinking about how they created legislation was harmful. And so they can repair the harms now. I hope they do it aggressively. We'll see.
0: Mm And so it sounds like a new way of life is doing a ton of different direct services work, but also focusing on policy change. And I have a question, actually, around having children being pulled away from the moms who end up incarcerated. Is that something that's temporary or is it something that's permanent? So do you just lose your rights as soon as you're incarcerated? Is that usually what happens? I'd love to hear more about that piece and then also about the leadership support that A New Way of Life provides.
1: And that concludes part one of the series. Next week, Susan will answer Nick's question about A New Way of Life's direct services and policy work. Additionally, if you are interested in partnering with a team to determine how your organization can build sustainably, assess your vision and mission, and how to invest in marginalized communities, then schedule a discovery call with BuildUp today. We will link the button in the show notes. Thank you for
0: listening to this episode of Nonprofit BuildUp. To access the show notes, additional resources, and information on how you can work with us, please visit our website at buildupadvisory.com. We invite you to listen again next week as we share another episode about scaling impact by building infrastructure and capacity in the nonprofit sector. Keep building bravely.